The following is a conversation between Tracy Webb, the founder of Black Benefactors, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. Individuals who start organizations or programs as a result of their own challenging experiences often make the best and most committed leaders. That would be the case with my next guest. She is Tracy Webb, the founder of Black Benefactors. Welcome to The Business of Giving, Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Share with us your story that led you to create Black Benefactors. Sure, and, and I love sharing this story. So I used to serve as a nonprofit director years ago, and that was my first position of managing an organization, but I had a lot of challenges. I had challenges with fundraising, with board development, with capacity, you name it, anything that you possibly could have a challenge running an organization I had. So one day out of the blue, I was contacted by a women's giving circle and they had heard about my organization and they wanted to visit and learn more about the work that we did. That was the first time that I had ever heard of the word giving circle. So when they came out to visit, I had more questions for them because I just wanted to know, how do you work? How did this even come about? So unfortunately, we did not get the grant as a result of their visit, but that visit stayed in the back of my mind. And a year later, the organization unfortunately closed. And it was a really sad time because the organization was providing a critical service in a predominantly Black community. However, I was fortunate to get a grant-making position when the organization closed. And I quickly observed that the organizations in my portfolio that were Black-led and led by communities of color were underfunded, or they were funded at a much less amount than the larger organizations. So I thought back to the visit of the Giving Circle and wondered if there was a Giving Circle where I live in the Washington, D.C. area that supported Black-led nonprofits. So my search led me pretty much all over the country, but I was specifically focusing on the DC area. At the time, I could only find one, and it was a women's giving circle, but I could not afford to join them out. So I kept looking, I kept looking, and I could not find a giving circle that supported the Black community and had a join amount that I could afford. So that's what led me to create Black Benefactors. So I was looking to join a giving circle and not start one. So that's the story. That's a good story. And uh, it's a lot of adaptations in that story. When one thing happens, leads to another, and you just yes. pivoted along the way. You know, I want to get to the giving circle piece of this in a minute. But you mentioned challenges. And Tracy, I'd be curious about what are some of the unique challenges that leaders of color face that are not encountered by those who are white? I would say number one is fundraising. And I hear that so much from my Giving Circle grantees because they don't have the network as some of the other larger white-led organizations have. So network meaning even getting a foot in the door of a foundation, not having that network where they can call a colleague and say, I'd like to apply for a grant from XX Foundation. Can you introduce me? Like that network is not even there. Mm -hmm. So 
I would say that's number one. And like I said, that's what I've heard from our grantees. And it's just pretty much, like, as I said earlier, any challenge that you can think of running a nonprofit is just more pronounced in the black community. And so that's what I hope to address with my giving circle, because we not only give funding, but we also give our time, our mm -hmm. skills, whatever support they need, we're there. Mm -hmm. So for those who may not be familiar with this vehicle, what is a giving circle and how does it work? Well, a giving circle simply is a group of individuals that pool their monies and then decide together where to give them away. Mm -hmm. Some giving circles, they not just pool their money, but they also pool their time and their skills. So really every giving circle you encounter probably is going to be different in how they operate and what they pool together. But simply it's pooling monies together. Have you found that giving circles primarily are made up of women or not? Yes. When I first started to research giving circles, the majority of them, and this was back in the early 2000s, the majority of them were led by women. I could not find any co-ed giving circles until my, my search took me outside of the D.C. area and in, into the South. And the majority of those giving circles were co-ed. So that's the difference that I, I found. But however, the majority are women-led. Yeah. How does a giving circle work in these times? I know you have hosted dinners in the past and things of that nature, but now we've gone to this virtual world, which both yes. of us are in at this very moment. How have you had to reimagine the way you go about your fundraising and all the other work that the giving circles do when you have a hard time getting together? Well, actually, the pivot hasn't been too challenging because our grant making committee is virtual even before the pandemic. So it hasn't been that much of a challenge, but I will say like our events that we've hosted, as you, as you said, the dinners, we launched a dinner series in 2014. So that probably will pivot to virtual at some point. We just love community and love coming together. So that's going to be a big change for us because like, we're like a family. Yeah. And just, you know, seeing each other. And I've heard some members say, oh, I just can't wait till this is over. I can't <laughs> wait to see everyone. So, so even though it's been easy to transition virtually with our meetings, it's just that friendship and community that's really missing that we just can't wait to be able to meet each other again. And I hear that. But, you know, I also think, and I've heard this from some other people, Tracy, that once we can get together again, there may remain a virtual element to those dinners yes. that will only amplify what you've done in the past, something which we probably would have never thought of or done unless this experience had really forced us to do it. And then say, well, maybe we'll get more people involved, even those who can't attend yeah. the dinner. That is a very good point. And you know what? I'm going to make note of that. <laughs> <laughs> How's this economic uncertainty played into it? Again, giving circles or people giving money to pull the money to give. But boy, we're certainly uncertain about what the future is going to be. Have you seen that play out at all? Actually, the opposite. I thought That's when great. the pandemic started, I thought, okay, how is this going to impact my giving circle? One thing that we did was we decided in March, right when this started, that we knew that our grantees were really, this is the time to really step up, that they needed our support to continue their work during this challenging time. So we depleted our fund and we supported our past grantees. And 
I was thinking, wow, okay, with the pandemic, as you said, I wonder how we're going to replenish our fund. But I was pleasantly surprised at how quickly members and donors in the community stepped up. So just three months after we depleted our fund, we were able to replenish at least 75% of it as of today, which, yes, it's just blowing my mind. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. You, know, you mentioned a moment ago, Tracy, that you make these grants to these organizations, but you also said you do things beyond that in terms of time and wisdom. Give us an idea of some of the additional services that you provide other than the finances. Sure. So we support our, our grantees with any capacity needs that they have. So whether that's board development, even volunteering with the organization. So we've had Giving Circle members join the boards of our grantee partners and, and help them in, in that sense. And we also partnered with a consultancy firm in 2018. It was a Black affinity group. And we hosted a capacity workshop. It was more so peer learning. So we brought together not only grantees, but applicants, like our past applicants that had applied for funding together and just talked about how they recruit board members and best practices and just learning from each other. So I, I think that between our members and our partners, we work together to support any needs that they have. Mm -hmm. And just picking up on that as well, capacity building is really important to you. You've made it a priority. Is that a hard sell sometimes when you have people who are part of a giving circle, they like to directly touch the people with a program that they mm -hmm. want to serve. Capacity building is a little bit distant from that, but my goodness, we know how important it is. You have made that a priority, correct? Yes, and again, that's because that's what our grantees have shared with us. We keep in close contact with them, and I talk with them on a regular basis. Our relationship with our grantees, I would say, is different than your typical funder. So our grantees may attend our events, and, and we all become friends. So talking with them, I learn about the challenges that they have, and I share with our members regularly the needs that they have. One of our grantees is seeking mentors for her mentoring program. And I shared that with our members and they amplified on social media. So it really is from our grantees request for help other than funding. And so that's why it's a priority. Mm -hmm. August was Black Philanthropy Month. It started yes. back in 2011. Tell us a bit about the month. What was noteworthy about this year's event, particularly a tumultuous year in the black community? Sure. So Black Philanthropy Month, I would say this year was the largest one yet that we've hosted. So Black Philanthropy Month was founded by Dr. Jackie Copeland and the Pan-African Women's Philanthropy Network to commemorate the United Nations Year and Decade of People of African Descent. And our goal is to elevate African descent giving in all its forms. So this was our ninth year and it was just so amazing to see the growth over the years. I joined as an architect in 2013 to help scale up the campaign and just to invite broader participation. And this year we had our inaugural Black Giving and Beyond Summit that kicked off Black Philanthropy Month on August 1st. It continued on the African continent 
August 4th and 5th, and it concluded on the 29th with panels from dynamic women leaders. So it's been an amazing month. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, even though it just ended, we're even thinking about next year because it will be the 10th anniversary. Oh my goodness, that's right. Yes. Well, you got to top the ninth with the 10th. Right. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and you know, I also noted that with the severity of the hit that Black businesses have taken as a result of this pandemic, you had some additional sessions beyond philanthropy, as you mentioned before about beyond, including things like impact investing and angel investing and venture capital, correct? That's correct. And that is in our founder, Dr. Copeland's background. And so she wanted to make sure to include that. And we will be coming out, hopefully, I believe it will be in September, some Black funding principles and ways that we can support all, as you had just said. So not just nonprofits, but our business communities as well. So look out for that. Will that will be posted on the Black Philanthropy Month website. Tracy, what are some of the common misunderstandings people have about Black philanthropy? I would say that the, the main misunderstanding is that we don't give in, in larger amounts because when you think of the word philanthropy, you think of wealthy, you think of large checks, and you think of wealthy white donors. Mm-hmm. And that's really not the definition of philanthropy. No, it's not. Right, right. And Black giving or Black philanthropy has had a long and rich history since we've come to these shores. We've used collective giving and philanthropy to pretty much, you could look at institutions today, colleges, universities, our mutual aid societies. They were all created and sustained through Black collective giving. So we've had a long and rich history and we do give. I just think it's a big misunderstanding that we don't, that we're always the beneficiaries and we're not the donors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the data shows just the opposite. As you say, the Kellogg Foundation, as a matter of fact, said that Blacks give 25% more of their income annually than white yeah. households. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. Right. That's correct. That's true. Mm-hmm. Finally, Tracy, what do you think the next evolution is going to be in the world of philanthropy with these changes that we've seen in our environment and our society? And what role do you see giving circles like yours playing in that evolution? I definitely see more, I would say collective giving is definitely on the rise. Just within the past year, I have met so many people and people reached out to me to learn more about collective giving and giving circles as a way to give back to their community. And you can also look at mutual aid efforts. Some of our giving circle grantees were involved in mutual aid efforts as a result of the pandemic coming together. So it wasn't necessarily coming together to distribute money, but to distribute goods, mm-hmm. food. So I think an evolution is more community, people coming together for the greater good. And that's how giving circles can play a large part in that. Giving circles are growing. And as I said, it's just evident in a number of people that reach out to learn more and how they can get started and host their own giving circle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And, you know, it's funny with all the problems we have in the world these days, people are beginning to focus more on their local community, more than they ever have before. And that is really what a giving circle is all about, helping the community. That's correct. Helping the community. Yes. Well, for listeners who want to learn more about Black Benefactors, tell us about your website. Sure. You can visit blackbenefactors.org. 
our website and we also have links to our newsletters. You can also learn our grantees, our grant making process and the events that we host. Everything is on there. We have social media platforms that are also linked on our website. We have even more information on social media. That's great. And we should also stay tuned, as you say, to the report coming from Black Philanthropy Month on what just happened during the month of August. That's right. It's coming very soon on blackphilanthropymonth.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Tracy, for being here today to share all of this with us. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you again for having me.